are the first things they check? Your blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen levels. Your vital signs. The things that give essential information about your overall health. Like the dashboard on your car, if one of these is going off, you know it's time to check in and see what's going on. What if our whole self had a dashboard? What if we had a way to check in on how our overall health is? What if we could check vital signs for our relationships, our mental health, even our souls? What are your vital signs saying? All right, table, what's up? All right, three of us are here. We're ready. Hey, I, was, uh, I get a sense before we go into tonight's conversation uh, that's, I don't know, as we were singing that song, I just kept feeling like so many of us um, sing that. And then we hold the things back, right? God, you can have this part of me, but maybe not all of these things. Like, I, you know, I really don't want to give up that relationship because it's probably not the best. But if I give it to you, you might get rid of it. You might take it away, right? You ever felt that before? Or maybe it's like, I don't want to give up this uh, dream that I have. And yet God might have a different dream for you. Or I don't want to give up this behavior in my life. We will come and sing that song, but quite often it's like, it's a good Sunday or Tuesday night thing to say, right? And you guys, I think as you've gotten to know us a little bit these last few weeks, we're not coming for that. We're coming because we believe the most flourishing, abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10 only happens when we do give it all. And so I just want to do something real quick before we, we dive into this conversation on relationships tonight, because who's fired up about that? I just want us to all close our eyes for a second. If you're new here, please forgive me. I just, I just get the sense that some of us need to really think about the things that we're not giving him. Is that okay? So let's close our eyes for a second. And I just encourage you, uh, think, just let your mind kind of go, Lord, where are the areas that I'm not giving you yet? And I'll encourage you, wherever that spot is, wherever that thought is, that behavior, that space, that relationship... Talk to God about it for a second. And what would it look like for you to take a step, even tonight, to surrender that to him? Some of you are holding on to some bitterness that until you give it to God, you're the, actually the one that is entrapped by it. You think it's because of what's been done to you, and yet it is imprisoning you, not the person that did it to you. Maybe you need to let that go tonight. Some of you, it's a fear because you've experienced some stuff that uh, makes you fearful of the next step, of the next opportunity, of the next thing. Maybe you need to give that to God tonight. Some of you, it's a health thing that you just can't shake. And you just think God's not showing up in your life simply because you're dealing with this health thing. I don't know what it is. I just believe that before we even get in the conversation about relationship. That, God, we want to lay these things before you. And, God, the beautiful thing and my favorite thing about you, God, is you're a redeemer. You redeem these things in our lives. So, Father, would you tonight, as we turn some of these things back to you, would you just start invading those spaces with your Holy Spirit? Would you walk among us tonight, God? Would you move among us, those of us who are here that are going, I don't even know about this Jesus thing. Would you show them how real you are tonight? And for those who God, who've been clenching so tight to something because they're afraid that if they let it go to you, 
that it might change what they think. And God, I'd encourage them that it will change for the better. So God, we just say as a group tonight, we, we, we give it to you. We surrender all to you, God. Jesus, take it all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, I get the lucky privilege of speaking the day before Valentine's, right? Who loves a good romantic? We're not going to talk about romance tonight, okay? We might hit it for a second. I might give you some ideas. But tonight I'm going to talk specifically about something that is so near and dear to my heart that it is what I spend a lot of my days with. Uh, those of you who gotten to know me a little bit, I have a nonprofit where we take pastors and leaders because I've lost three pastor friends in a 14-month window to suicide. And a big part of that was isolation. So tonight what I want to talk to you about is the need for connection. It's a very God thing that we find connection with other people. It is not just a, a normal part of life. This is God-ordained, God-created, God-made stuff. So tonight, the night before Valentine's, we're going to talk about connection. You guys okay with that? So here's a couple things. If you remember, you've been with us at all, we're, we're in this series called Vital Signs. These are the letters, and each week we're hitting these a little bit. First week, we talked about our spiritual vitality. The second week, Chris, the Archbishop, Dr. Bacon, uh, spoke about integration, about our emotions being integrated. That's such an incredibly important part to wholeness for us. And then tonight, I'm going to talk about transparency. Who doesn't love some transparency, huh? Here's, a, here's the way I want you to think about this, is that relational health is like the check engine light on your dashboard. Now, what's unique about check engine light, like if your gas light comes on, what is that telling you? This isn't a trick question. You need gas. The check engine light actually refers to multiple things. There's a few different things that could create the check engine light coming on. So it's, it's kind of monitoring multiple spaces. I believe with all my heart that our relationships are just like that. The health of your relationships are going to be like the check engine light. They are kind of monitoring all the things. Does that make sense? That you're literally going, how my relationship is with my family, my uh, significant other, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my friends, is a gauge or, say, a vital sign for how you're doing as a whole. Everybody ever had those seasons in life that you're not doing very well? What are some of the first things that suffer? It's our friends. It's our relationships. It's those things start eroding because we're not in a great place. I believe it's the culmination of health. And I also believe that we cannot flourish without friends. This all stirred in me. I remember going to seminary back in the early 2000s, and I remember having seminary professors in their 60s and 70s had zero close friends. Zero. We have fam I have family members to this day. If I were to try to name their close friends, I couldn't do it. And you guys, I'm telling you now at this stage of life, it doesn't get easier to make friends. Most of you, this is what your job is right now. You have a job and go make friends. Right? You've got freedom to do it. You're not locked into a bunch of different things. But we've got to figure out how to stay connected. And a few weeks ago, I mentioned this Surgeon General warning that came out. Uh, the Surgeon General of the United States, who's not necessarily a believer, released an 80-page article that said uh, specifically that we are an epidemic of isolation. Have you guys felt that at all? Man, it's a really crazy time. And I know I don't have my phone with me. We feel as connected as we've ever felt and yet as disconnected as we've ever felt. Silicon Valley, everybody know what that is? South of San Francisco, tech, it's all tech world, Google, all that stuff. They just released, uh, or excuse me, they just declared loneliness a public health emergency. The first county in this country to do that. 
that loneliness is a public health emergency. Have you ever heard that before? No, because we haven't had to talk about it. Communities were built by relationship. And now all the things that are fighting for our attention are jumping in between our relationships all day, every day. And we're finding ourselves more and more disconnected. Listen to what the Surgeon General, I'll just pulled a clip out of this. He said, the physical health consequences of poor or insufficient connection. Everybody hone in on that word connection. Say that with me. Connection. Okay. Half of you are with me. This is awesome. Poor or insufficient connection include 29% increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, 50% increased risk of developing dementia as older adults, and additionally, lacking social connection increases risk of premature death by more than 60%. And man, I love Fortnite as much as the next guy. But that's not necessarily connection, is it? We might think that, and so many of the things we're doing are we're connected, but are we connected? And tonight, we're going to talk all about that. I believe this. If you don't connect with people, you'll lose perspective. If you're in a little vacuum, an echo chamber, if I sit in a room by myself, which is crazy town, I start hearing the same story over and over again, right? If I don't have any other perspectives, increasing my knowledge, increasing my ability to see things differently, I'm going to just listen to my own thoughts. How many of you have told yourself the wrong stories in the past? I do it all the time. Brene Brown talks about what's the story you tell yourself. So if the story you tell yourself, like we talked about the first week, which is what we believe is how we behave and informs how we behave, if we tell ourselves wrong stories, we're going to behave inappropriately. Because we don't have anybody checking and balancing who we are and what we're thinking. And we've got to do better than that. I want to read this little uh, uh, definition of friendship to you. Friendship is the relation of being allied with a person whom one knows. I'm going to read that one in a second. Likes and trust. Friendship is characterized by a mutual, and this is a huge part of friendship, and reciprocal desire to get to be together. Reciprocal. How many of you have friends that do not reciprocate? They're not friends. Are they? It's a struggle, isn't it? You're like, man, but we've been friends since second grade. Well, maybe it's time to make a change. A friend reciprocates. That's what's called connection. Connection is not one way, is it? Connection requires a two-way street, a two-way combination. So it's a reciprocal desire to be together. The degree with which two acquaintances make their plans, decisions, and activities dependent upon one another is to the degree to which they are friends. Our two boys, you know, my boys are 13 and 16. Every program that we talk about, hey, you should go to this. Hey, we're going to go to this. What's the first thing that they ask? Who's going to be there? Because what they're doing is they're connecting the value systems, the time with, I want to I com, uh, combine my system and my friends with what I want to do. I want my friends to be there. So we're going to work on the things that we like together so we do those things together. That's what connection and friends do. And then he simply says, caring, showing an interest and concern about another person's welfare is also a critical criteria for friendship. In 2 Peter 1, uh, Peter talks about, I almost said Paul, which would have been a really hot mess because I just said 2 Peter 1. But Paul talks about, okay, sorry. 2 Peter 1, he talks simply about the idea that we have to supplement our faith with virtue, with character, with, with self-control. And then he says, with brotherly affection. 
That seems to be a lost art these days. We have lost the ability to, to say words of life to each other. To be able to look at a friend and go, hey, I absolutely would do anything in the world for you. How many of you have heard that from a friend recently? It's, it's probably not that common, is it? Dudes are the worst at this. Guys really struggle to look at another guy and go, I'm in your corner. I'll do anything for you. And yet, if a fella said that to me, I don't know why I just changed to fella. I'm going to stay with dudes. If a dude says that to me, I'm in. Right? I'm going, okay. All right. We're going to link arms in this thing. We're going to grow together in this thing. As I said, belief if we believe in the types of connection we're talking about tonight, it actually will inform better behavior. This quote that's been up here for a hot minute says that friendship is a reciprocal relationship characterized, characterized by intimacy, faithfulness, trust. I love this one. Unmotivated kindness. Don't you love that? I've got friends that I feel like everything has a little something to it. You ever have that? A little hook to it? You're like... I have family members sometimes that you're like, hey, is that really what you want? Are you trying to control something? You know, you feel this motivation in there, right? This motive. And yet, true friendship is unmotivated kindness. I think that's a beautiful phrase in service. One of the uh, biblical examples of this, if you brought your Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel 18. We're just going to go there briefly. I'm going to go a little bit further in a second. But uh, two legends of the Bible... Uh, Saul and, and, and Jonathan, uh, excuse me, Jonathan and David, they had a friendship like no other. And listen to what, uh, what they said. This is early in their relationship. And it says, as soon as they'd finished speaking to Saul, the son, excuse me, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. You ever felt that? You met somebody and you're like, now I'm not talking about physical attraction. Some of you are like, I felt that tonight when you came in. Not me, but somebody else. That's weird. Right? You're attracted to something. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a conversation where all of a sudden you go, oh, the word I like to use is a kindred spirit. You ever heard that phrase? You ever walk in a room and you connect with somebody and you're just like, we're in this. Me and you. We don't, you know, we're in this thing. It's a kindred spirit. There's a person of peace that's on the other side of this reciprocating relationship. That's what happened with David and Jonathan. And I love this. And then Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That's deep. Within minutes when he realized we are knit together, he loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. That's a beautiful thing. We have to stay connected. And true friends feel like this. Now, I've been through this journey quite a while and there are friends that I, I actually, this weekend, last weekend, I saw one of my buddies. He's, we've been literally friends since first grade. And if you do the math, that was a long time ago for me. First grade, you guys. Do you think that happens by accident? No. We have stayed connected. He checks on me, I check on him. He believes in me, I believe in him. He's, he cheerleads for me, I cheerlead for him. For the last however many years, since first grade... He's been in my corner, and I would do, my wife knows this, I would do anything for him because there was a knit togetherness, and we avoid isolation. Here's what I believe, that we avoid isolation when we fight for connection. We will avoid being isolated when we choose to fight for connection. 
It's really, really critical. So uh, my wife has a good friend, and uh, her friend said this to her one time, and I think this is the funniest phrase, but it's so dead on for this. If you're thinking right now about some of those friends that uh, you still have because you were friends since fifth grade, but there's no real relationship there anymore. You ever got one of those somewhere that comes to mind? The little phrase her friend taught her was, you gotta, sometimes you got to weed your friend garden. You ever heard that phrase? Sometimes you're just like, oh, man, i got too many friends. I can't keep up with all of it. Sometimes, friends, you got to weed your friend garden. And I'm going to give you a couple ways to do that in a minute. But the question I would have for you as you think about your friends is, this, is the ones that are closest to you right now, do they bring life to you or do they take life from you? Do they take a lot out of you? Are they high maintenance? Does it take a lot of energy? Do they wear you out when they text you? You're like, oh, it's my friend. Oh, God, please don't call me back. Yeah, but we've been friends forever. Okay. But is it a reciprocal, life-giving relationship? That's the question I'd have for you. If you look around that circle of connection, some of you are going, I don't have a lot of friends right now. Okay. We're going to pray about that in a second. But what does it look like to give to the people around us our very best. Uh, there's a phrase as we're talking about vitals, and the word for tonight is transparency. How many of you realize that you can't have connection without transparency? Show of hands. Okay, hopefully you all do. If not, listen up for a minute. Transparency matters because I don't want to be a friend with someone who doesn't tell me anything. If they don't let me in, I don't want a part of it. What's the point, right? You guys, part of why we come around this place is to sit and to learn together, but to connect together. If you can't have a safe place to say some of these things that you need to say, then what are we doing? So in two weeks, or last week, excuse me, I took uh, 20 pastors and leaders, and they were finishing out their 12 months with us. And all we do is sit around a circle at night, and they've been carrying, they've, the five or six of them have been walking in life together for the last 12 months. And they literally look at each other every night, and they tell each other what they appreciate and what they believe about each other, and they connect on a different level. And they, because, because halfway through this year, they went through a five-day counseling retreat where they had to get transparent, where they had to say some stuff. It's really powerful. If we aren't safe, we will not be transparent, will we? If you are in an unsafe relationship, an unsafe friendship, will you tell them the things that are deep in your heart? Thank you. Yes or no? No, right? Transparency matters. Authenticity, uh, uh, I can't even say that. Authentic relationship, being authentic matters. Authenticity, I knew it was in there. It's coming. We can do this. We can do hard things, guys. Like say authenticity. If we don't open up, we will not connect. It's as simple as that. All right. Um, here's a really key component to this whole connection thing. Is safety and boundaries. Who loves a good boundary, huh? <laughs> or is that a yawn or was that like, oh gosh, boundaries? It was a yawn. It's okay, I get it. It's late. Boundaries are mission critical to healthy connection, okay? I've had to put boundaries in place in my own family with my mom and dad because there is some, some disconnect. There's some lack of safety there occasionally. Each of us have some relationships like that in our families where if we don't put appropriate boundaries in place, we're going to find ourselves sucked right back into that cycle of crazy town. And that's not reciprocal. That's not life-giving. So here's three things I want to give you real quick. We're going to keep moving on. But three things that will help you create safety and boundaries. The first thing in connection is you need to have confidentiality. I remember in sixth grade, I was a peer leader. 
which just basically meant I'd, I don't know. People would talk to me about things in the same grade. And this girl told me something in a one-on-one meeting, and the next day I realized she was best friends with a girl in my neighborhood, and I said, oh, she told me this yesterday. Yeah, that's right. It was terrible. Safety disappears with, without confidentiality, doesn't it? If you've got a friend that cannot hold the news, they're not probably a safe friend. Find someone else that's maybe a little safer for those kind of conversations. The second is, do they care? For safety and boundaries to be appropriate, we need confidentiality, and I need to know they care at the end of the day. If I know that you're my advocate and you care about me, I'm in. And the last thing, this is to me in the PhD work I'm doing and and the stuff that I'm researching about what creates safe space. I'm telling you right now, one of the most important pieces is that the person I'm talking to doesn't need anything from me. You ever feel that? I don't want to tell you this because I know what you need from me. I don't want to go there because I know you need something from me. I don't want to, but if you have a true friend who needs nothing from you, you will say the things you need to say. I've watched this happen time and time again. So those are the three things I want to encourage you as we look at transparency and being safe. Uh, My friend Henry Cloud in his book Boundaries wrote this when we talk about boundaries. He says, we can't manipulate people into swallowing our boundaries by sugarcoating them. Boundaries are a litmus test for the quality of our relationships. Your relationships will be determined on how do they respond to these boundaries that we've created. Those people in our lives who can respect our boundaries will love our wills, our opinions, and our separateness. Those who can't respect our boundaries are telling us that they don't love our no's. They only love our yeses, our compliance. I only like it when you do what I want. Has anybody ever had a relationship like that? When you try to say, hey, I I really need a little bit of this. I'm going to kind of wrap it up at 11, whatever the things would be. And they're like, oh, come on. No, I need this from you. But if you have a friend that's the one that always needs and never gives, it might not be the best connection. Now, I want to do a little, I want to show you a little something. I want to bring Hannah and Pedro up here for a second. So I want to be very clear. I am not a licensed counselor, okay? Everybody got, we're clear on this, right? But I want to show you some stuff I've learned through um, counseling. This, this, one of my good friends owns this thing called Onsite, which is in Nashville. And they do this, uh, what they call experiential uh, uh, therapy, which is not experimental. Let's be very clear. It's experiential. So in other words, we're going to experience what we feel sometimes. And the way they do that is we role play some stuff sometimes. So uh, when I've gone through this a few times, we do this with leaders. Uh, it was the most, sometimes it's the most light, like light turning on situation. So these two, by the way, Hannah, Pedro are married. You guys, you guys know that? So let's clap for that. That's a good thing. Congratulations. So how long have you guys been married? A little over a year. So Hannah works near our office. She works with another guy on the executive team, and she really got the worst of all of them. I'm just kidding. Um, that was a joke. See, they don't get. I know he's awesome. I, it was a total, if he was here, that's why I would make that joke. Okay, moving on. So when you guys met, you came from two different backgrounds, I assume, right? And what happens in a relationship, friendship or dating relationship, is you bring stuff with you. You just do, right? You bring your history with you. Uh, if you were a kid and you were abandoned, let's say, by your dad, and he walked out, you bring that to this relationship, to every relationship we have. My family, I've mentioned this, I think, before. My freshman year at college, we went through bankruptcy. I lost, they came and got my car from the parking lot. So I'm bringing that to a relationship with, with anybody. 
for that matter. So here's what I learned. Um, if Let's say that Jake here, let's say that uh, my friend Pedro came and he had, uh, he had some regret, some shame from a prior relationship. And he brought that to this relationship because he, can't, he hasn't worked on it yet. He hasn't done anything with it. We brought shame into this relationship, right? You ever felt that? There's a physical presence in our relationship sometimes if we haven't dealt with our stuff. And that physical presence is shame right now. So let's say you guys are talking, but shame is right here. So go ahead and talk to Hannah for me. Hi, Hannah. Remember that mistake you made back then? Uh, I just wanted to tell Remember all that I terrible really stuff that you did? Have you ever felt that way? I don't know what all they're saying. It probably is inappropriate, but like... <laughs> So, so let, let's pause right there. And Jake is very tall, and Pedro is not. So, <laughs> Okay, so do you see the physicality of our emotions and our history? It's real, isn't it? You've walked into a relationship where you did some stuff or you regret something, and you're bringing that with you because you haven't processed it yet. Now, but imagine this. Hannah had, uh, has struggled, and this is not true. None of these things are true, for the record. But let's say that Hannah really struggled with insecurity and, and commitment, a lack of commitment because somebody walked out in your life. Well, Zach is going to play uh, insecurity. So now look what we got. That's a lot, isn't it? And that's just two things. And yet we live with fear. We live with, all, we've, we live with shame. Sometimes you bring to this this, this concept that, well, uh, you know, just I've dealt with all that before. And then all of a sudden a fight comes up. Or disagreement. And now your best face, your best foot forward, Pedro, is no longer as easy because these little things start sneaking back in to our relationship. Let's clap for them. That's very good work. (laughs) Thank you, guys. One of the most powerful parts of those things, I remember doing it myself and I had to create, they're called sculpts, but I had to create and pick people to play my immediate family. And it allowed me to recognize, like if you had a mom that was super overbearing, when you physically put somebody over you, you feel it. And so tonight, what I want us to do is we've got to deal with some of these things. Or our relationships will always suffer. That image is so critical for us to understand. Some of you are so desperate for security because you didn't have it. And so you bring that need for security right in between every single relationship that you have. I know that many of you, and I'm not pointing out fingers because I don't know you all, Many of you have unrealistic expectation of what a friend does or a romantic relationship is because you've seen bad models, you've seen bad examples, and you bring that and you sit that thing right between you and the person you're trying to connect with. And you guys, I'm telling you right now, if we don't know our stuff, it's going to be really difficult to connect. I had a friend in college who was convinced that once he got in a relationship and got married, he would be who God had for him. And you guys, I hate to break it to you. My wife's here tonight. We've been married almost 23 years. If I hadn't figured out who I was before we got married, it does not get easier. Marriage or a romantic relationship does not necessarily give you a new identity. As a matter of fact, all it does is expose the things that you're figuring out. What does it look like in this season of life that some of you have the freedom to go work on the things and go, God, I want you to be my identity? That's my prayer tonight. Galatians 20 says this, uh, excuse me, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son 
who loved me and gave himself for me. So another phrase I learned when I was in some therapy like this was this phrase, what's hysterical is historical. If you've got a place to write that down, write that down. You're going to remember that. What's hysterical is historical. So all of a sudden, let's say tonight you and a friend go to dinner at Waffle House and something triggers in you emotionally that you have no idea where that came from. Has that ever happened to anybody? You got blindsided by your own emotional something. That little phrase, that happened to you today, Chris? <laughs> he raised his hand like, all right, Chris, we'll talk about this after. My guess is that something triggered a historical reminder, a fear, a thing, or whatever that's come up. So what's hysterical is historical. So my encouragement as we work on connection is you've got to watch yourself like a hawk. You've got to pay attention to those moments that trigger that thing. In my life, financial insecurity is very real, a very real trigger for me. Does that make sense? Because I've told you my story. So when there's financial insecurity in our marriage, in our work, if I lose a client, whatever, the, it brings up something to me that's deep. Now, I've done a lot of work on it, but I know that that hysteria, that frustration, that trigger comes from history. So I'm just telling you this. I'm trying to give you a few tools because in connecting with others, it's going to be really important for you to understand yourself. The first week we talked about these three things, and here's a tool for you as we look at what does it look like for us to be a Christian community and fight for connection. And I think what John Mark Homer said in his book that we talked about two weeks ago really helps us. One, we're going to be with Jesus. When we come into this room, I want you to work on what does it look like just to be here now? We want to be with Jesus. In the mornings before you get going, what does it look like for you to be with Jesus? I promise you that if you choose to be with Jesus, it'll, it'll sink into your relationships and your connections. The second one was become like he did. Become like him. Excuse me. Become like him and then do as he did. These are the basic things we're going to keep bringing back around with vital signs, okay? When it comes to our connection, our relationship, the gauge that tells us how we're doing and our emotions and our mental health and all the other pieces, we want to be with Jesus. We want to become like him and do as he did. So I want to read uh, John 15, one of my favorite passages. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. John 15, I am the true vine. You guys have heard this passage before, right? Abide in me and I'll abide in you. But listen what he says just a few minutes down from abiding, when he talks about the, this picture of uh, you can't bear fruit unless the, the vine is connected to the soil, right? You can't, you can't see all the good things unless you're connected. And Jesus is saying, you're going to see the fruit of, of me when you're connected to me. But listen to what he says. This is kind of shocking to me. Verse 12. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. For these things I command you, so that you will love one another. When we abide in Jesus, fruit is great connection. Fruit is relationship. Fruit is healthy and wholeness. When we abide 
in Jesus. I had a season when I was leading uh, a pretty big organization, and uh, it was, I was traveling all over the country and doing all these great things for God. And honestly, and I, and I would say this if my, my wife and son weren't here tonight, but I think I did okay with keeping them first. I think I did okay with keeping that system in place. And there, I probably messed up here and there. And by probably, I mean I did. But the, the group that received the worst of me in that season was my friends, my longtime friends, some of my best friends. They would, they would reach out, hey, let's play golf. And I would say, well, I can't. I'm too busy. And part of that was because I'd been traveling, so I'd come home, and I, I, there's no way I can go hang out with my friends because I need to spend time with my family. And I remember when that season came to an end, God just, I mean, it was like he just pierced my heart. And he said, Tyler, you have really let them go to side. Your connection with your friends is lost. Do something about it. And you guys, I'm not, um, I'm not lying about this. I went face to face with every friend that came to mind. And I said, I repent and I'm sorry. You got the worst of me. And that's not cool. That's not a reciprocating friendship. That's not the kind of relationship I know that you want to be on, and I know it's not the kind that I want to be in. So some of you tonight are going, okay, great, but we talk about romantic relationships for a second. Sure. Show me the person that you're interested in's friendships, and I'll determine whether or not that's a healthy relationship for you to be in. If you're interested or attracted to someone who has no close friends, run. Now, uh, anybody like golf? I love golf. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, let's say I went to, P uh, actually Charlie and I went to PGA Superstore the other day, and I saw a new driver, which for those of you who don't know, it's the long club that we hit off the big tee. Uh, anyway, and this thing was beautiful. I mean, I just, w I wanted to walk around the store with it, just hold it. It was gorgeous. And everything in me was attracted to that specific club. But guess what? That club might not match my swing speed, my height, the things that I do unique to me. That club might not match, even though I'm super attracted to it. And you guys in a romantic relationship, guess what? Attraction doesn't necessarily uh, give you the, the full inside scoop on what you're getting yourself into. But I promise you this. If you're attracted to someone and you look around and you realize Man, they have nurtured their friendships. That could work. My wife and I were best friends for three years before we ever dated, which was one of the greatest things that happened in our relationship because we were friends first. If you learn how to be a friend, I promise you relationships will fall into place. They just will. But right now you have a season. Why don't you build your connections before you worry about that element? It's really really important. So I want to give you four real quick things of what I think you can do today, okay? What we can do today to set ourselves up for connection and to avoid isolation. The first thing in our relationships is we're going to keep short accounts with each other. It's a very biblical model. If you've ever heard the, the, the passage where it says, if you're at the altar and you realize you've got an issue with someone, what does it say to do? Do you remember? Leave your, leave your um, sacrifice and go fix it. So if you're in this room tonight and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you have given up the right to not deal with conflict. It's not an option. As a Jesus follower, we deal with these things, okay? So we have to keep short accounts. 
It's, here's the thing about Jesus' principles. When you apply Jesus' principles, they make life better. Do you realize that? And so if you apply the fact that Jesus says, don't hold a grudge, maybe he's doing it to enhance our relationships. Because often if we don't hold short accounts, that thing gets way bigger than it ever should have been because we didn't deal with it. The second thing we talked about already is we're going to create healthy boundaries in your friendships and in your romantic relationships. If you don't know the boundaries you need to set, find somebody that can help you process that because you need to do that. The third is we're going to connect here. This is what the table exists for. We exist for you to connect. Chris is going to talk in a minute about ways to do that, but this is a place for you to connect. And last, and what we're going to do here for a minute, is daily prayer for you and for your friends. So you guys, most of the nights when we come to this, we're going to take a little time and, and we want you to come and do some work for you. But tonight I want, to, I want to do something a little different. How many of you, when you pray, whether it's every day or once a year, when you pray, how much, what percentage of that time is about you? Probably most of it. That's my guess. That's not wrong. But a lot of times we pray, we're praying, God, help this thing, fix this thing. I love that job. I love the, right? We spend time asking God about ourselves. But tonight we're going to do something a little different. There's a word that I love it's a word that we do in our nonprofit. It's a word I try to do for my family. It's a word I try to do as a member of this church and a staff member. And it's this word, contend. It's this word, contend. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you knew you had a friend or two that were going to contend for you on a regular basis, that would make a huge difference in your life. Just think about that. If you knew that your, your brothers in arms, those few people in your life, were always contending on your behalf, what a difference that would make in your life. And you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to contend on behalf of our friends. So as we, we're going to sing uh, a couple songs, and this is what my encouragement is to you tonight. This space is open. If you need to pray where you are, go where you I don't want you to pray about yourself tonight. Now, there's things we talked about I want you to process, things we talked about. But my prayer tonight is that you're willing to contend on behalf of your friends. Because if you're willing to contend on behalf of your friends, the connection will be there. Every day, every day, I have a principle that if God puts somebody's name in my mind, I text them and I say, hey, I was just thinking of praying for you today. Do you know how many non-Christians get mad when you tell them you're praying? None! If you have a non-Christian friend and you say, hey, this morning, I just, I was praying and I thought about you. I hope you're doing well, just praying for you. They're not going to be like, don't do that. But you guys, it's part of our being with Jesus is going, I'm going to contend for my friends. So that's what I'm asking you to do tonight. Do it wherever it looks like, whatever that looks like. I want you to be on your knees, pray in your seat, whatever it is, but I want you to lift up one, two, three other people, what they're going through. If you don't know what they're going through, you need to call them after this and find out how you can contend on their behalf. And you guys, I'm telling you, some of my best friends have contended on my behalf, and I would do anything in the world for them. So we just close our eyes for a second. Jesus, I'm just reminded of what we just read in John 15. 
that when we abide in you, our friendships grow. When we abide in you, life changes. When we abide in you, we do what you do. We see how you see. We believe how you believe. And we know that belief informs our behavior. So tonight, God, would our belief that contending for our friends, would that belief change who we are? And Would it allow our posture to say, I am going to do whatever it takes to create connection, to avoid isolation, and Father, to develop relationships that will last a lifetime. So I pray tonight, God, as we sing and as we pray, that tonight we will contend for those in this city that don't know you. We will contend for the relationship that we're in that desperately needs more of you. We will contend for our our family member that has never quite uh, come to faith in you. Father, tonight I want to pray for those in the room that are still going, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I pray I'm, I'm going to be contending for them tonight, Father, that you would speak to them your truth through your Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for anyone in this room, God, who has a, a, has a, a child who they are just wanting to contend on their behalf. That's who I'm praying for tonight, Father. But I pray that each person sitting in this room will have a name or two that they can pray and fight for Because, God, this is how we fight. We fight our battles through the Holy Spirit, through being with you, God, and doing what you did. Let's worship together.